All right, so we're in a, um, a series titled My Healer. And I'm going to be in John 6 today. Just a little bit. I'm going to be a lot of, I'm going to share a lot of scripture, but we're not going to turn to very much scripture. Uh, we're talking about how the presence of God brings healing into our life, that we should have an expectation that God is doing something in our physical bodies. I spoke a few weeks ago on this. I, whenever we use the word salvation and they were saved, they were delivered, they were set free, they were healed, they were rescued. It's almost always the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, which has three parts. And one is eternal life, one is a deliverance, and one is physical healing. In fact, the physical healing was so, so much physical healing that when it says they raised Lazarus from the dead, that means they sozoed him. Because our physical healing is so complete. We might not experience it all now. But most of us are willing to live in the eternal life idea of Christianity and no, not the other two parts. We're totally okay with get saved, get eternally secure, and be miserable in your body, in your mind, and your emotions till you die. What we're saying is Jesus' death brings me eternal life, but only my death brings me... I mean, you, what you're saying is, my death is more powerful than the death of Jesus. I will finally find peace that passes understanding when I die, not because Jesus died. Why do we get, why are we offered peace that passes understanding? Because of the death of Jesus, our belief in his death, and then his resurrection. But then we say, well, P, I'm, this is just my lot in life, to be depressed, to be miserable, to be sick. It's my lot in life. We never, we never rise up in our faith. For healing or for hope in our situation, for that peace. You know, this is what's weird about the, the peace that passes all understanding is embarrassing. Because you get a report and you feel a rush, you, you, you're in God's presence, you feel a rush of like, I'm not even going to pray about this. I'm totally believing God to be, it's okay. He'll be glorified, it'll come out for my good. Enough said, I'm going to go and live on my life. And it feels bad because people are like, Aren't you worried? Shouldn't you be doing something to make that better? And you're saying, I've got, I've got peace. And it's a peace that clears the mind and it clears the emotions. And it's a peace that's healthy for your body also. And so we, we, we want to contend for a faith that believes in physical healing, that believes in deliverance. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this little, this little faith gap thing because I've been thinking about it for, for all of last year. And uh, a faith gap, me and, and Don back there, right? It's not a very big gap. I can fulfill this gap without much faith at all. I can just start walking towards him. I can call Don to come over here, and then the gap would be gone. I could ask some of you guys, you know, a couple of the younger guys to lift me up and carry me over there. I could jump on Stevie's back, and he could walk me over there. You know, if, even if I fall down, somebody could drag me over to Don. So that, that there's, no, there's no faith needed in that gap. But the, so a faith gap is actually uh, the distance between where you're, what you're currently experiencing and what you believe God has for you, okay? So that's the gap. So you're in a situation where there's a mountain on top of you and you feel depressed and you feel there's no hope. You feel like, what else can go wrong? Well, there's a gap between, because you you're not called to live in that. And there's a gap between that and over here. And there's also a gap if you have, I'm sick, I'm friendless, I'm penniless, 
I'm hopeless. Well, there, there's a gap because in, in heaven, God's not seeing any of those things about you. He's not saying you're riddled with cancer. You don't have any hope. Your marriage is a wreck. You don't have any hope. Oh my gosh. Oh, what are you going to do? He's not ever asking us, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm really confused about what you're going to do. He's just saying, look to me, I'll, I'll give you something. I'll give you answers. I'll give you solutions. I'll give you hope. I'll give you peace. So there's a gas of me, my best life. I'm sick. I'm diseased. I'm poor. I'm depressed. I'm friendless. I'm disconnected. Now, and Dawn represents, like on this little chart here, I'm, I'm, I'm the blue guy on the left of your chart. He's the blue guy on the right. If Dawn represents the best me, the not depressed, the joyful me, the extremely peaceful me, the extremely encouraging me, the, the, the me that has a job that I'm thriving in, the me that has the marriage that I love, the me, the me that be, is being the dad and mom that I want to be, that I dream of. If Don represents that, I cannot get to that. I can never be that without faith gapping that for me. Does that make sense? So it's not just something you hope for that you can do. I hope for a better job. Unless you've wrecked some of your life where you think that you can't get a job at all that you love, then there's a faith gap and faith fills that in. So turn to John 6, 28 and 29. And then we're going to go to Hebrews 11 after that. Then I'll... John 6, 28, 29. This is one of my, my favorite scriptures for the last few years. So Jesus and his disciples have crossed the lake. A bunch of people found out where Jesus was. This we do to do the works of God, the works God requires. And Jesus answers them, you need to work really, really hard, pray a lot, and be really good. No. You guys should know. I hope, I hope you know. It says the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Our work, our hard work, our, our diligent work, our good work is to believe in Jesus. And then when we believe in Jesus, we'll do the work that God requires. And the work that God requires is to love the world. So our hard work is to believe. It's not I believe in God. So if you turn to Hebrews 11, 6, we'll see how this kind of... Works out here. I think you'll find it interesting. I found it interesting. It's um, let's go to verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And I want you to hear this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. But there's another thing. See, we think that our faith stops with Jesus existing, with God existing. But he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We must believe and we must seek him. That doesn't mean seek him for salvation. He seeks to keep keep throwing off our our grave clothes. That's what discipleship's about. That's what worship is about. That's what Bible study is about. It It gets this ability to be closer and closer and closer to him. So that, that gap, that gap is covered through faith, by faith, not through good works. All right? I want you to hear that. So I don't go and pray a hundred times a week to get healed. My good work is to get closer to him, more of his goodness, more of his love. And then I begin to realize 
how close he is and how good he is and how much he wants to give me. All right? I, I, I hope that you're, you, you can hear some of that. And, but, but the question before I go any further is, do you even want to have a faith gap? Many people don't. They want to say, I'm depressed. This is, this is my lot in life. They don't want to stretch their faith. They don't want to say out there, I want that over there. I want, I want to act as a parent differently. I want to relate as a friend differently. I want to walk in this world as a Christian, as a man, as a woman, as a 55-year-old, as an 89-year-old. I want to walk differently in this world. That creates a... Jesus said in Matthew 7, asking it will be given to you. Seeking you will find. Knocking the door will be opened unto you. Asking, seeking, and knocking are our parts. We have a part, but we ask, seek, and knock all in faith. Okay? So do you want a faith gap? Can you, can you look at this sheet of paper here and say, this is where I'm at. And then this is my promised life. You know, there's, there's a song that we sang. It said, I can see the, um, I can see the promised land. And for us, it's a pro- there's a promised life. There's a promise for your life. And, and it's a good one. It's a good life you're called to live. So we, we, we seek and we look towards that promise, even if we're not experiencing what we, we, we feel God has for us. But we begin to declare, we begin to seek, we begin to talk to God based on us living in the promised land already, even if we're still in captivity, even if we're still in the desert. All right? So you have to ask yourself, do you want, do you want to have a faith gap? Are you willing to say, I am diligently seeking this other life? I'm diligently seeking this promise in my life. Instead of just, well, whatever, this is just my life. I just go about my life. I struggle. That's just me. Or are you, are you willing to be intentional? And you have to ask that. And I think, I think Jesus asked that quite a bit when he says, do you want to be healed? What do you want? doesn't do everything. Do you want more in your life. Do you want more for those around you? If you want more for those around you, you need more in your life. If you if you want more to give to others, if it's peace, joy or finances, you need more in your life. In fact, we started out with Psalm 67 and it, it uh before worship and it basically says that that God shines his face upon us, which is always representative of his presence. And it says, this is what's odd. He says he does it so that the nations will be saved. You being blessed, you living in the promised life, in the promised land, is good for everybody in your neighborhood. You living in the desert, roaming around, it's not good for anybody. You can't provide anything for anybody in the desert. You can't provide anything for anybody in captivity. We provide things for people in our overflow. Parents provide for their kids in the overflow, right? Victoria never asked, how much does that cost? How much does camp cost? How much does a pair of shoes cost? How much does getting your nails cost? How much does snacks cost? How much does our lunch bill at school She never asked that because we provide for her in our overflow. All right? Now, she'll grow older. She'll begin to ask because we're making her pay for things. But for us, we we always, we we live in an overflow. So we ask. It's so we can be a blessing, Genesis 12 says. So there's a couple things that creates a faith gap. And by the way, there is a gap in your life. I hope you realize that. There's a gap in your life. There's somewhere you're living someplace where you're not supposed to live. 
where you're never designed to live in that place. Nobody in this room was designed to live in abject poverty. Nobody in this room was designed to live in a job they hate. Nobody here was designed to live in a marriage they can't stand. Nobody here was designed to live in depression. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. So we pursue, even as it contradicts, there's a, there's a gap there. But what we hate to say is, I am depressed. And I don't think I was created to be depressed. And there's a gap there. And so we, we try all these work-oriented things. And I think, you know, exercising food and saving your money, doing right things are important. But they're, they're, all those things that we do are based on faith, not on works. So if I'm going to try to lose weight, I need to keep increasing my faith level that God designed me to be able to eat just a certain number of calories. But I, that still doesn't mean, I, then out of my faith, I work out and I exercise and I take walks and I eat right. Out of faith, faith draws me into no gapping that, there's, there's no crossing that gap. So, you know, uh, that, that one third of that sozo, so the other two thirds is deliverance. Mentally and emotionally, and then there's a the physical healing. I want to live in the abundance, and I've struggled believing in the abundant life. I just just be honest with you. Most of us are like, well, I shouldn't ask for more because I look, I have so much. I'm blessed already. But what's wrong with wanting to be more and more blessed if you're overflowing onto others around you? So there's a. There's this idea of fullness to create this to, to get to this gap. But the first thing it takes to create a faith gap is you have to be honest. And usually we're not honest until something happens with our child, a spouse leaves us, we get in a car wreck, or we get bad results financially, or we get bad results medically. Otherwise, we live with no faith gap. It's like when we're just slightly, moderately, lowly blessed, we're like, okay, but something happens and we're like all freaked out and then we turn to Jesus. But I'm, 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 I'm at that area, I have been for a number of years where I'm okay, there's nothing horribly wrong but I keep, I keep, I want more. I want more in my life. So you have to be honest with where you're at. And you have to envision what, what you want. You have to envision the, the, the other blue. I should have changed these colors of these two guys. I should have done like blue and yellow or something. Or, or blue and then red, man, in the blood of Jesus, man. But, but, but you, and we, and we live there. It's got to be, I'm specifically, intentionally, I, this, this, the Lord has shown this about me, exposing this in my life. And whenever the Lord exposes what you're doing or what you are that he's displeased with or he wants to heal in you, he's giving you a, an alternate vision and an alternate universe that's called the kingdom of God that we're supposed to live. All right? So you need... You need to be honest. You need to get a vision of where you're going to go. And one of the best ways to get a vision of where you're going to go is a prophetic word. It's a word from God. A word from God creates a faith gap. What we typically hear if somebody says there's, there's ministry in your future or there's a business in your future, we start getting weird and fearful that it's not going to happen or we go and try to make it happen instead of just starting to declare it. So prophetic words in Timothy, um, Paul tells Timothy to fight with your prophetic words. So if you have any prophetic words, any words people have spoken over you about your life that are too big to believe, you should have them written down, you should be looking at them. I have like nine on my phone I look at every once in a while, not as regular as I should. And um, they're just bits and pieces that give, me, that give me hope bigger than myself, hope bigger than I am as a person or that I've ever been. And, um, and we've done this, this, this other one, the prophetic word creates a faith gap, a declaration creates a faith gap. God supplies all my needs. 
God is my healer. We declare those things standing on one side, not being healed. We declare that God um, assists that's making her, you know, low-grade fever. She's had MRI. She's had a CAT scan, an ult- not an MRI. C- CT scan, ultrasound, blood work, painful. She's not here today. She was homesick Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and, and uh, yesterday. And then today she'll go to another a doctor tomorrow. And so what we're doing, we're praying for her all the time. There's a faith gap, right? We have a daughter who's sick, who's hurt. And so we're learning to keep going to him first. There's a, there's a gap. But think about that. There's, there's a, we're de- declaring that God's her healer, even though we haven't seen her be healed. So there's something that goes on in our head saying, am I lying? Am I lying when I'm declaring? And what, I'm ta- what, what we talked about before is where I'm, I'm, I'm declaring a higher truth. No matter what I'm experiencing, there's a higher truth to live by. And that higher truth is that God is my provider, that God is my healer. The third thing, which is prophetic word declaration kind of combined, is a scripture. A scripture that the Lord highlights to you is, uh, creates a faith gap. The first one I ever uh, had was, um, not first one I ever had, but the one that came to my memory when I was, when I was looking over this stuff was, um, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You know, I felt like that was like ridiculous because I was at a church of a thousand people. I was a Christian education director and 850 people left in one weekend. And all of a sudden I was the pastor of 150. I'm like, every weapon formed against me is prospering. And there's a higher truth though, that even while that weapon, and the Lord actually gave me an image of a devil or a demon, I don't know, a devil, demon, I guess, of a demon, like, working against me, like, with a, like, with a, like, with a big drill, you know, trying to, like, get at me, and then I, then I had a bigger picture, a higher truth, and that devil was completely in the Father's hand. Isn't that a weird thought? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. In fact, every weapon formed against me is going to turn out for my good, every one of them. Every one of them. So I'm declaring a higher scriptural truth. I'm declaring a higher truth than my experience. Why preach the Bible if I'm just preaching my experience? Why preach the Bible? Why lower the Bible down to my experience of my 55 years, of my 22 years being steadily in church, of my, gosh, 42 years of steadily being in church? Why would I, why would I lower it to my level? So I, I want to race through declaration, through scripture, through prophecy. We raise it to this level of a kingdom level that gives us a great sight. Another way to create a faith gap. I think this is one of the best ways, honestly. But it's, one of the, it's kind of it's just like, oh, it's not that important way. One of the best ways to create a faith gap is to not be in a lot of pain. 80% of my salary. I want to start a business to bless a dozen people. I goodness, I want to start a ministry that does this to not to, to have a personal desire and hope and to give it to the Lord and let it stir up. Not just I want to be out of my pain, but I want to be I want to be like thriving at a higher level so that a personal desire creates a faith gap. That personal desire can be I want a job that I love. I want to be in ministry. I want to be married. I want a car that has air conditioning. Those can all be faith gap things. I think the Lord is like, yes, I want, I want to help you get that. And the thing is, what's more important than getting, those, getting something is him getting us. So when we start engaging with him on personal desires, it's a great, great thing. I'm going to skip, 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 skip. All right, so the prophet Ezekiel, 
stands in the Valley of Bones. I shared on this sometime last year, and it's not like a bunch, you know, when we see the Valley of Bones, we're like, he's looking down, and there's a whole bunch of skeletons that are still connected and all very decay. But, but in Scripture, the language used is like bones of like probably thousands of people all torn asunder. So there's all these things that are disconnected that make no sense. It's just a valley of bones. Probably for generations and generations, bones have been laid there. Or maybe a gigantic battle has taken place. But he speaks to those, dear body, speak to your wife's body. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall live. You shall be alive. Hear the word of the Lord. These things live and speak to that. Go look at Ezekiel. I think it's Ezekiel 37. I could be wrong. And um, so this is, how you fill the, this is how you fill in this faith gap. This is how you go from, from here to there. It's, it's the ABCs of filling in the faith gap. The first one is, to, is a belief, actually. Actually, they're all beliefs, but the first one is to, absol- to, to accept the goodness of the Lord. No matter what's going on, no matter how sick you are, no matter how poor you are, no matter how stupid you are, no matter what you've done, believe that God is good and God is working on your behalf, all right? Accept the goodness of the Lord, the ultimate absolute goodness of God towards you, the God who wooed you when you were a sinner, when you were actually against him and he invited you into family, hasn't switched and said, now that you're in family, I'm going to start judging you and criticizing you and I'm no good to you anymore. God doesn't trick us into family to then punish us. All right? So we have to believe in the absolute, we have to accept the absolute goodness of God is the highest, one of the highest truths we can believe, that God is good. In his judgment, he's good. In his discipline, he's good. And if there's any lack that I have right now, I'm okay with that because he's going into the gap. When we think of gap, you always think of valley, right? I walk into the valley of the shadow of death. And we're like, whoa, I don't want to get off my mountain because it means a valley to go to the right place to where I want to be. But, but what's in that valley? It says there's a table prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. He, he provides for us all the way through. There's a valley to go through. And if we're afraid of the valleys, man, we're never going to grow up. We're never going to mature. We're never going to rise up in our faith. We're never going to live a life of abundance if we're afraid of valleys. I heard something the other day that sparked this thought. You, see, you, have, you, have, you, have, um, you have David there, right? And, he's, and, and, and Goliath is out there, and Goliath is like shouting and yelling and, and cursing Israel, right? And everybody's afraid. They're too afraid to go out and challenge this one person. So David actually has to go down into the valley. And I, heard, I think it was Louis Giglio said that, uh, that we always get it wrong. We're always like, oh my gosh, I have to get on. I have to go fight the giant. But we have to see that David is Jesus. And we have a David. We have Jesus goes and kills the giant before we even walk into the valley. We're not gearing up. I got to be super strong in order to be mature. We're just like, man, Jesus is maturing me. He goes before me. He fights my battles for me. I'm more than a conqueror. I just have to stand before Goliath and he might fall down. And I shared this a couple weeks ago, I believe that, I mean, think how bold David was. He doesn't even have a sword. Yet he doesn't even have a sword. But we're waiting until we get a sword before we tell any giants we're going to cut their head off. He's just telling our giants in advance, we're going to come cut your head off. We've already won. The victory's already ours. So this is accept the goodness of God. When you accept the goodness of God, you will begin to accept the right people into your life. You'll begin, to, you'll begin to open yourself up for God's provision and God's protection. When you begin to believe that God is good 
and you know God is good all the time in every situation. He's good and He's bringing good towards you. And then the second one, the first one is accept the goodness of God. The second one is believe that God can get His gifts to you and through you. Many of you don't believe that God can get His gifts to you. You don't believe it. You just don't. So you don't pray for the sick, or you don't ask for prophecy, or you don't ask or knock or seek because you believe that. Maybe God is good, but he's not that good that he wants to give me something. Or I've not been good enough to get something. And that's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie of the enemy. That's not God telling you you're not good enough. That's always, it's always a demon telling you that. Often a demon of religion. So when you believe that God can get his gifts to and through you, you will be asking for gifts. You will be saying, God, I'm going to this meeting whether it's church or not, and I want you to, I want you to give me a, a, a gift of encouragement. I want to give me, give me a gift of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Stevie shared a story this morning when we were praying about giving a guy a haircut and a shave and feeling led to pray for him, and he prays for him while he's sitting in a chair. I mean, if, if you have a knife to somebody's throat while you're shaving them, you say, can I pray for you? They're going to say, yes. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Stevie's radical. But you know, it's, it's not like, oh, I, I'll be in ministry or I'll be at church and I'll give a gift. We are gifts when we show up and we believe that no matter how, how junky I can be, no matter how dense I can be as a person, that God is getting his gifts through me, to me and through me. And um, this, the third one is chase God's presence. You have accept the goodness of God as absolute truth. Believe that God can get his gifts to you and through you. And chase God's presence. Oh my gosh, in your in your home, in your life. Whenever you feel overwhelmed, you know that God is not present. Whenever you feel hatred, you know God is not present. Whenever you still feel resentment and bitterness, and that God is not present. Whenever you're fearful, God is not present. And what fear and anger and hatred and unforgiveness really are, they're 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 the, the signals on your car saying something's going wrong. And what's going wrong isn't that you're not good enough or that you should work harder. It's that you should, what we do is we like to put tape on. We like to put tape on the engine light. So, and, and tape could look like I'm going to binge watch TV. I'm going to drink too much. I'm going I'm 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 to overwork. We put all this tape up there, and then when you get my age, or maybe some of y'all's age, you have all these lights that are, that are going crazy, but you can't see them, and you wonder why your car's always crashing and sputtering and not working well. But we should never be afraid of our anger. We should never be afraid of our bitterness, because we're always taking it into the presence of God, and he has an exchange program that's great. So we give him our junk, and he gives us beautiful things. That's, that's who he is. That's what he does. So we're always seeking and chasing after God's presence. Is God always present? Yes, he is. It's just like, but we still, by chasing, I mean looking for him. Where is he now? Why am I feeling this way about myself? And he will, he, he will help us with our identity problems. He'll help us with our destiny problems. He'll help us with our relationship connections. He'll help us in every way. He'll help us be better at our job. He'll help us build better businesses, be better parents, be better neighbors. If we're super lazy and we don't like yard work or housework or, 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 or stuff like that, he will actually help us and give us a vision for what our house and what our home, what our neighbors should look like and how we are blessing our neighbor to do it all is unto God. 
All right, so um, accept the goodness of God. Believe that God can get his gifts to and through you and chase God's presence. And uh, just go ahead and stand. I'm going to say one last thing. And, and when, remember, when we're chasing God's presence, it's all the imagery in Scripture that says his face will shine upon us. All of those things, that's all glory. That's all presence-oriented. And God actually does share his glory with us. He shares his presence with us. He wants us to know that he's present at all times with us. Go ahead and grab somebody hand next to you. So, Father God, we just thank you. We just thank you for your presence. We, we felt it today during worship. We felt it uh, when, when we prayed for Debbie. We just thank you for your presence. And we know that as your children, that's, that's a part of our inheritance. We don't get our inheritance when we die. We get it when Jesus died and rose again. So we say we want our inheritance of your presence. We want our inheritance of your goodness. We want our inheritance of your, of your grace and your peace and your love. We want our inheritance of your abundance life. We want our inheritance of that promised land. We want our inheritance, we say, as your children, Father God. We want our inheritance, and that's all provided through your presence. So, God, we invite your presence into our hearts, into our minds. We ask that you rule and we, over our own, our own stuff. And we invite your presence into all of our conversations. We invite your presence into our marriages, into our parenting, into our finances, into our bodies. We thank you for that. We just thank you for being so very real to us that it manifests changes in how we think and how we feel, how we hear, how we see, and it manifests physical changes within our bodies. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.